Hello and welcome to Satan Skeen. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And Benjamin J. Tankersley and Elijah R. Walls. Where the heck are you? Oh boy. We, we we've been given we've been given Tristan so much grief the last few weeks. And now y'all decided not to show up on his triumphant return. Uh, yeah. How dare you? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, but but we do we do have a little a little boy in the studio today. Just a little. Let's fella. not say it like that. Can we please not say it like that? We have a guest. We have a, a guest fella. today. Here he is. Who is it? Who's this little fella? It's me. It's Wade McGlamry. It's wow. Wade. He's actually he's a he's a regular he's a big fella. He's a regular fellow. He's a he's a average height man. He's an average man. Wade McGlamry, average man. Wade McGlamry. Wade McGlamry. Wade McGlamry, the yes. the world's most normal man. Yeah. All right. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, Wade, good evening, my friend. How art thou? I'm doing pretty great. How about yourself? Doug? You know, you know, I'm doing a whole lot better than I was the uh, the last time we had you on a podcast of ours to record a movie, to review a movie. What, what was that? I believe that was The Greatest Showman. Oh, no, that was my very first time on the podcast, Doug. Uh, I well, then, When was the last? My <laughs> last one was when we did uh, Darjeeling Unlimited. Mm, I wasn't on for that one. Oh, is it? I'm sorry, Darjeeling Limited. Yeah, we talked trend. about we talked about Wes Anderson. Yeah, and then before that, I think it was Cats. Oh shoot, you were on for Cat. Oh shoot, I'm still feeling a lot better than I was when we saw Cats. Yeah. Oh no, oh no, I was feeling great after Cats, and I'm feeling great now. They're just two very different kinds of great. Yeah. Well, Cats was pre-COVID, wasn't it? Yeah, Cats was before Barely. the split. Yeah. yeah. Boy, howdy. What a time. I said that almost like the split of like a great organization. Yes. Yeah, yes. before the, the Holy Schism. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, if Cats wasn't a sign of the apocalypse, I don't know what was. Accurate, accurate. Um, well, folks, we, uh, we've skirted around this issue long enough. Uh Wade, I know that you're a big fan of this movie, but why don't you tell us what movie we watched this week? Uh, we watched August Osage County. Absolutely. We watched August Osage County, the 2014, uh, I'll, I'll say smash hit, even though I haven't seen the uh, critical hit. We'll say critical hit. That works. Um, August Osage County, uh, directed by John Wells, adapted from the... A uh, play of the same name written by Tracy Letts and starring Meryl Streep, Julia Roberts, Chris Cooper, who I just got to say, I don't think about Chris Cooper often, but when he shows up in a movie, he just makes my day. That's neither here nor there. Uh, Julianne Nicholson, Abigail Breslin, Margot Martindale, Juliette Lewis, Benedict Cumberbatch, Ewan McGregor, a uh, uh, couple other people. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. More. And more. And more. It's an ensemble movie. Uh, but yeah, this movie ratings wise has a 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb, a 67% on the rottenness of tomatoes and an 80% on the Google. It also received nominations for uh, the Academy Award for Best Actress in a Leading Role and the Academy Award for Best Ast- Actress, excuse me, in a supporting role. Uh, 
Who were they? Who were the nominees? Yeah. Uh, leading role would be Meryl Streep, and supporting role would be Julia Roberts. Nice. And money-wise, this movie... Oh, good lord. Oh, okay. Good, good, good. Um, so this movie was made on a budget of $25 million, and its gross was $74 million. So, yeah. Rousing success. Uh, critical darling. Um, yeah. Uh, fellas, what is your... Uh, what's your experience with this movie? I'll go on and say, I've never seen it before. I knew that Wade loved it, but I've never seen it before. Well, I watched it because wade said i should watch it and we were going to be doing it um as as a play we didn't end up doing it but we were going to and so we watched it and i liked it a lot and i i this was not on my radar at all like i I didn't know this show existed i didn't know the play or the movie existed i didn't hear anything about it when it came out I, i knew nothing i was i was shocked that this existed and there were so many people in it and that came out and i i hadn't seen it i was so surprised so um it was completely off my radar so that's that's it i i guess it was maybe a year ago or maybe two years ago or something when we watched it but i I had to see it once and it 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 ranked pretty well yeah yeah uh i saw the movie i can't remember how old i was um I remember we had the DVD for some reason. Maybe it came like with a deal or something because it's not a movie that my parents would have watched, but we had the DVD and I remember watching it at home um, when I was younger and really liking it and then watching again when I was older. Um, and then when I, it was after high school that I realized there was a, it had been a play first and um really got interested in it again and that's when i made tristan watch it so yeah yeah good deal and uh wade i know that you've wanted to direct this show for a very long time what would you say was the big draw for you as a director because i think that's always interesting you know what really makes you uh really get excited about directing a piece um this show is is really character driven, which I really like. Um, the, the, all of the characters in this show, none of them are great people, but all of them are people. Like all of them are very real people. That's something I would say. Like all, <laughs> all of them are very real people which i enjoy um there's not a lot in my opinion there's not a lot of fat on this script i feel like the dialogue is relatively fluff free yeah um which i enjoy it's it's, and i think that's part of why this is so heavy and intense to watch is like it's very you know you it's you really have to sink your teeth into it and like eat this film one bite at a time and and it's a lot yeah and i think also i think that it's a movie that really you know it only takes place in one location for the most part and it's one that 
there's very little to hide behind in the script. If if you're not on, you're not going to. You're 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 gonna see it. It's not yeah. uh it's not a script that can be taken lightly. It's something <laughs> that it's something that you have to go all in for because otherwise you're gonna stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, Unless everyone... of... <clears throat> go, go ahead. on, Doug. Go ahead. <clears throat> everyone has their moment in this movie, and uh, yeah, I mean, just just to back up what you said, it's you're, you're going to see some pretty stellar acting from everyone at some point, and it, if you're not on top of that scene that you have or scenes, because some some have several, then it's really going to show that you know yeah. it's an issue. But really, everyone in this movie knocked it out of the park. The acting was great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. This is a movie that I look, if you listen to this podcast a long time, you know that movies that Tristan likes and movies that I like don't often match up. No, um, rarely do they rarely do they. <clears throat> um, we, we just have very different taste and what gets us really jazzed about movie. Um, so coming into this movie, I was like, you know, is this going to be a there will be blood situation? where i i despise it if it was um, an hour longer it would have literally literally i saw the time i saw the time on the movie the runtime and i said okay that's that's pushing it because i've discovered really i discovered it when i decided to watch 200 movies in a year i realized very quickly i love an I love a movie that is less than two hours long. I really love a movie that's less than 90 minutes long. A whole lot more than I like a movie that's longer than two hours. Yeah. And I saw the two hour limit and I said, okay, all right, we're pushing it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, but no, I really enjoyed this movie. Um, well, uh, as we get into sort of the nagery of the movie, uh, would either of you gentlemen like to sort of lay out what happens in this movie? What's the movie about? Um, so it is about, it starts with um, the very beginning. It opens up with Beverly, um, who is a retired poet. And he is interviewing a, a Native American woman in his home. Um, he is going to hire her on as uh, like a housekeeper slash caretaker for his wife who is battling cancer. She is uh, in sort of coming into her last few chemo treatments for mouth cancer. And he is he just can't keep up with all of the cleaning and taking care of her and driving her back and forth because they live in rural Oklahoma. Um, and then something happens. Uh, I don't, are, are we a spoiler free podcast or no. we, okay. Uh, so huh. Beverly, no. um, Beverly goes missing after he hires Jana, the, uh, the nurse housekeeper person. He goes missing, and so his wife, Violet, calls their children. They have three daughters, um, and they show up to kind of support the mom and also help hopefully find Beverly. They quickly find out that he has died. Um, uh, he has killed himself. So 
they um, the rest of the the time they're all there ends up being about going to the funeral and them all coming back together for this funeral after being away from each other for many years. And this is a very complicated family with a lot of very complicated issues. Um, and I'm sure we'll get into all those details in a minute in our discussion. So, yeah. Well said, Wade. Well said. Yeah, this is a, uh, this is a, this is a funeral movie. Um, and I'll be real with you. I think that that is, there are enough movies that have a sort of similar, not premise, but sort of similar, like setting, um, or set up where, uh, where I think you can categorize them all as funeral movies. Um, th this is a funeral movie. Someone has died. Some tragedy has occurred in this family and the entire plot is about sort of what happens after, um knives out is a good example i think of a of a sort of funeral movie now granted that's more of a mystery and thriller but yeah it's it's a funeral movie um so i think probably the biggest thing to talk about with this movie is the and i'm not saying this as a common noun i am saying this as a proper noun think italics and all caps acting with a chef's kiss because good lord the acting on display here is incredible it's like it's like everyone here showed up to work and they they laid everything out on screen it is incredible uh yes wade you, you had something to say um they uh yes the the acting in this I, I think is very very good uh of course you have a amazing cast in this and it's kind of like what tristan said this movie sort of flew under people's radar a little bit more than other movies do which was pretty shocking given the cast um a lot of my favorite actors are in this ewan mcgregor is one of my favorite actors and he's in this benedict cumberbatch meryl street uh margo martindale um and when you listen to interviews that they did about the process of making this movie you start to understand how this ended up being as good as it was uh because they they first of all bought this house this is a real house this is not a set that they built they bought a house out in Osage County, Oklahoma, and it was out in the middle of nowhere, and they had to drive out to it every day from where they were staying. So Meryl Street talked a lot about how it, it, you really got into the mindset on that really long drive out into the middle of nowhere in Oklahoma to this house, and and like you said, they all did show up to work. That was one of the things. They're all top of their craft, really professional actors, and they did. They showed up to really dig, dig themselves into this and do the work. And I feel like that showed. Yeah, and I think, I think the, I think the real just 
the real sort of hook for this movie for me is the fact that no one is, I feel like no one is overshadowed. You know, obviously you have Julia Roberts and Meryl Streep as your big powerhouses in the movie who they drive everything. They are, they are the, the leading, the leading ladies. They are running the show, but Juliette Lewis is Honestly, I don't think she's in that much of the movie. And I love Juliette Lewis, but her few scenes that she has in this movie, she's there. She does not fade into the background. Everyone really is present and everyone has their moment to shine, which I think is which I think is the real sort of special something of this movie it's the real kicker of this movie as to why it stands out so well and i will say i think that this movie's biggest this movie's biggest detriment and i'll i'll go on and say this for for our listeners who probably haven't heard of it uh the same way i didn't hear i had heard of it i just thought it was about three different other movies uh before i actually watched it but um but it is it's it's a little oscar baity it's a little Oscar baity. Um, you know, they took a play, uh, I think a fairly, you know, well-respected play and turned it into a movie. Um, but you know, I think that the acting really is the thing that sets it apart and is why it's something that should be watched. Um, yeah. How does it set it apart? Wait, what are the differences? Some of these differences between the play and movie? Uh, there's really specific things because in a lot of ways the script was, is really close but you know there are of course like for instance the scene where they're on their way back from I think they're on their way back from seeing the doctor and Violet says I'm going to be sick and they have to pull over on the side of the road and Violet ends up running away into this field and uh Barbara has to chase her out into the field. Y'all, y'all remember the scene I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. We watched it. <laughs> like that, that scene is not in, that scene's not in the play because the play takes Kim takes place completely within the house. Like you do not leave the house at all in the play, which is probably one of the biggest differences between the movie and the play, I would say. Uh, because Tracy Letts, the playwright, uh, one of the big feelings he wanted to convey in writing the show was claustrophobia. And the house itself is claustrophobic. This family is so on top of each other that they get claustrophobic, but also the nature of rural Oklahoma is claustrophobic. Because I can attest to that. It I is so, that. so open and flat but there's nobody around that you feel claustrophobic. And I, and I feel like that was a really good addition to the film because Violet just wants to get, get away and get out and breathe. And so she runs out into this field, but there's nowhere to go. There's just more field. It's just this a great expansive openness, but it's crushing in a way. Um, they talk about, I know they talk about it in the play and I'm pretty sure they mentioned it in the movie that they've got a bad case of the planes. 
Mm, or, um, I don't remember that. But maybe it's a throwaway line <clears throat> here, but here or there. But I know that they mention it in the play. They, I've got a bad case of the planes, which mm -hmm. is sort of like their way of saying like, like giving the environment's affecting them. Yeah, yeah, and it does. And like Tracy Letts grew up in Oklahoma, so he's very much and. In fact, the character of Violet, Meryl Streep's character, is based on his grandmother. This is very much, you know, taken out of Tracy Letts' real life, all of this. So that's part of, I think, why it seems so genuine and real also. Um, another big difference between the, the play and the movie is the ending. Uh, in the play, because it all takes place in the house, you do not see Barb drive off and see that moment of her like by herself taking a minute before she you know when she gets out of the truck and then gets back in and keeps driving you don't get that moment in the play yeah, uh yeah. which i like because you're kind of left wondering like where she headed because she leaves she just walks out of the house and you're like where is she gonna go is she gonna go back and to her daughter is she just driving is she gonna go find her sister that just ran off like what what's going on in her head right now so that's that's a pretty powerful moment in the on stage and then i think that's it i think those are the <clears throat> biggest differences anyway i think yeah, it's a yeah. little it's a little more clear in the movie where she's going because she passes a sign that says denver on it so it's it seemed like I didn't notice that the first time I watched it, but it, it it says Denver, so I'm just thinking like I guess she's going back home, but she could she could be going anywhere really. Well, but I think I think also I think the and and Wade, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the benefit of having her just leave and you don't see her puts a lot more of the focus on. Um, oh my gosh, I just completely blanked on violet mm -hmm. um it it puts her a lot more in the driver's seat as far as the uh the focus of the play when yeah. you show where when you show where barbara's going then it sort of divvies up the work which i think the movie tries to do you know there's a lot of parallels that they try to draw between the fact that Barbara and Vi are very much so on the same path are very much so becoming the same person or are the same person already um and so, yeah. Oh, there's no one else in the driver's seat or in the car at the end. It's just it's just Violet, <clears throat> and everyone else leaves her because she's she she is the way that she is, and she's driven everyone away somehow or another. Whether it's her fault or not, it's usually her fault. Um, and her daughter, the one that's closest to her, leaves eventually, and. Everyone leaves, and she all she has is uh, uh, Jonna to go back to, who is someone that she doesn't really like that much, yeah, or trust even. So that's what happens at the end. Which is ultimately, I think, why Beverly like hired Jonna. That's my interpretation of that, anyway. At the end of the show, like I think. Beverly, when he decided he was going to end his life, knew that Violet would end up alone. 
and he he hired Jana so that she wouldn't be alone when he was gone. Um, at least that's how I see it. Yeah, I mean, I think that there's I think there's a lot of truth to that I think that's you know I think that's something that this movie kind of touches on is that there are I I I'm, I'm not trying to speak for everyone, but I feel like there. Are, I feel like for everyone in their family dynamic, you know, there are those people who you think like, who you think like they might not have anyone uh, when everyone else is gone. They, they might be the ones in your family who they're just, they're not going to have anyone. And, you know, call it what you will on the as far as the reasoning for it but i think you know it's just a fact of life there are people who for some reason or another are going to be the ones that get left Um, yeah there there are lots of i I don't know if you want to call it like uh, you could call it a scapegoat call it like um black sheep a black sheep or just like whatever but i mean it's it's a lot of I, I i don't know i don't know if it's fair to say that violet brought this on herself <clears throat> i don't think it really is fair to say that about most most people and most things um but she's ultimately the reason why a lot of those people left at the end and, yeah and you know you can see like some some real world stuff where some people have addictions or problems that are just too great for others to really handle or, or 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 work with or understand or you name it and it's it's like a sort of detachment that that comes to that and it's attached to that so you, you so you just become sort of unattached to that person um i mean i i I've experienced that in my own life with, with some people. So yeah, yeah it can happen. Yeah, no, totally. Um, Even when it's someone that you're supposed to love and really care about, you know? Yeah. It's and I think like keep beating yourself up o- over it. It's like, you can't, you can't keep doing that to yourself. Eventually you just, you break. I think honestly, I think that's one of the biggest themes of this movie that we haven't really talked about yet. Um, is just the fact that this movie sort of addresses the the fact that you know there are people who you are quote unquote supposed to love, but you just for for whatever reason you just you just can't. Well, I mean, um, w- when the sisters are talking outside, one of them says something like. We're, we're just like a bunch of cells or something. I don't, yeah. I don't know. They just happen to be related to each other. Yeah. I, I have thought that before, and I have probably said that, something like that before. You know, like, I, I, there, I, have, I have a big family, and I just, there's no way that I'm going to be connected to everyone. You know, that's it, just how it is. Um, I, I, I'm close to I'm closer to my friends than a lot of my family, you know? Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. And my family wouldn't see it as anything wrong because most of them are too, you know? So most of them have their, like my mom has a lot of her own friends, like really close friends. Yeah. 
So it's, it's just a different dynamic. And then again, some families, it's like, what, you know, you don't know your brother or you're not friends with your cousin or something. Like, how are you not, you know? Yeah. So my, my therapist and I were actually talking about this today. Nice. Fun little, fun little insight into the life of Doug Gooden. Um, um and, and the, like, the screaming that goes on during the dinner scene at the end of that, before they get all, before they raid all the pills out of the house, um, is, is first of all, it's, it's so real. That's like, that felt so real, you know? Like, I've seen people get angry like that before, and I've gotten angry like that before. And, it doesn't happen that often to see it so so vivid um but it's it's such a strong emotion you know yeah and i think i think one of the things that this movie does um is it shows those things that you it shows those things that you maybe at some point in your life have thought about saying to your family Maybe you've thought about saying it. Maybe you've thought about uh, screaming at your family, but, you know, uh, the rules of social law or the rules of social discourse say you you can't do that or maybe you shouldn't do that. But this Mm -hmm. movie doesn't. And, you know, I think that's one of the that's one of the benefits of film and fiction in general. But this movie is so good about just being about showing those in their unfiltered i i almost want to say gore because it's not bloody it's not visceral but it is intense it is there is some passion behind the words that are being said they didn't just come from nothing yeah well the i that sort of feeds into what is something i was thinking you know tristan was talking about you know violet is ultimately the root or the cause of a lot of the strife that comes up in the house. Well, you know, and, and he's not wrong. Like Violet is obviously a really toxic person and has obviously been abusive in, in, you know, at least in an emotional manner to her children and has somewhat passed that on to them. Uh, But you know, when you're talking about families and you're talking about multiple generations, like, and you start playing the blame game, like, that can turn into a never-ending game, because you know, we had that scene where they're all sitting outside and Violet tells them the story about her own mother, and the story about her mother buying her the boots for Christmas. Yeah. Um, Like, that's just one story we get about that. A real story, by the way, about Tracy Letts' grandmother. That was, that was a true story. Um, and he, um, but I think that just highlights like, okay, so we see how terrible her mother must have been. And now, and she thinks I'm better. And she even mentions multiple times. She's like, oh, my mother was a mean old lady you know, she thinks she has improved upon and she's become better than her parents were to her. Yeah. And Barbara and both of her sisters have in turn, you know, or, you know, Barbara at least has her own daughter now. And I'm sure she thinks the same thing. She's like, I'm, 
you know, I'm not going to be like my mom. I'm not going to, you know, treat my, my daughter like my mom tr treated me when in fact we see that Barbara is a lot more like Violet than she probably gives herself credit for. Yeah. And that is such a fundamental subconscious difficult thing for us to move past is how we're raised and the environment that we're raised in and you know and that has such a bearing on who we become as people and how we parent our own children later like in ways that we don't even understand or don't even fully realize yeah and yeah. i think that this movie really highlights that really well absolutely absolutely you know it's a lot of it's a lot of talking about the fact that for many people, you know, we, we spend a large portion of our lives trying to be the opposite or be the quote unquote better version of our parents or the people who came before us. But almost inevitably, we will, we will become some form of what we were raised as for the most part. That's not to say everyone will but like you know i think for for the most part you know there there are some aspects of of the people who raised us or the people who we were around growing up that we just inherently adapt those adapt those characteristics and those mannerisms and they become who we are in turn so, yeah there is something, though, that I think this movie touches on, and that's the effect that death just has on this. Not even on this family, just on people. Because I feel like... I feel like death is something that, you know, everyone, everyone inevitably will face it at some point. And it's the one thing nobody ever wants to talk about. And it's the one thing that really impacts families um, because you can have the nicest family in the world. And if the leader of that family passes away and nobody's prepared for it, you're going to see all kinds of fallout from that for maybe even generations to come. And I think that this movie highlights that in that you know something big like a death or something specifically a death can be that can be that ignition to the fuse that sets off the bomb for this family and i think the film does a great job of sort of pointing out the fact that you know before beverly dies there's just a little bit of hospitality there's a little bit of trying to be cordial but the minute he dies and the minute it's all on the table we're off we're off to the races with this with the fight with the bitterness with everything the gloves have come off it's almost like we've lost our reason to try and to try and be civil about this what where where y'all's thoughts on that if you have a, a patriarch or a matriarch that dies in the family and um and and that's what is holding people together like, for example, grandma always hosted Christmas. So we all went to Christmas at her house every year. 
but now she's gone. So now what do we do? It's like, there's nothing to bond over. The only reason we were there is because grandma was there. So now it's like, okay. Or the spouse dies, like in this movie. And now you have to figure out what to do with the other one because they need help, you know? And, yeah. And, and they, they were being taken care of by their spouse, but now you have to figure out how to do it. And just problems abound, you know, when personalities clash and everyone has different life experiences, understandings about things. So you, um, you, you end up with a, with a big mess. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting that, you know, you, you say with the head of the family or the patriarch, you know, I, I, at one point and during the dinner scene, in fact, uh, they tell Charlie, you know, he's the head of the family now. And Violet says, you know, by default. Well, I, it's funny that they say that and that she reacted that way because I didn't, I don't think Beverly was ever the head of this family. I no. think maybe they no, 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 thought no, that no. because of like traditional gender roles. They just thought that. But Violet is very much in charge. And I think she always has been. Um, and she knows it. Yes. She and holds all the cards. She holds all the power in this, whole, in this family. She knows, you know, everybody's secrets. She knows what buttons to push on everybody to manipulate them. And she's very good at that. Um, they... Um, something else I wanted to point out is that this is a comedy. Um, I would respectfully disagree. It, no, it is. It, it's by, per, the, per the playwright, it's a comedy. But okay. when you watch this... Again, film, I, will, I will respectfully disagree. I get where you're going with this, but yeah, go, go ahead. When you watch the film, you don't think that. And I think that is a problem with the film it, because part of what's great about the play is the humor in it and uh, it says it specifically says dark comedy but don't get me wrong it's not supposed to be a laugh riot but it is supposed to be a comedy and those moments of levity give the darker moments of this show even greater weight and i feel like the in the film they did not allow that they did not allow enough for the comedy to shine through and i feel like that ended up detracting overall from the story i i get i get where you're coming from and i'm sure that that probably is the case if i read the play i'm sure i would agree with you um I, I do enjoy what we got in the film. And I think that I think that the moments of comedy come through as sort of like that uncomfortable comedy. I think of uh, Juliette Lewis uh, in particular, because I'm convinced no one can play neurotic quite like Juliette Lewis. Um, and I love her for it. Um, but also, you know, I think that I like the fact that this movie is almost brutally honest about this family's just 
abysmal uh, interworkings. Um, yeah. Well, I to me, I think light moments make it more real because even in the most terrible circumstances, you know, even if it's dry and jaded, there are still moments of levity and light in life. And that's, you know, it's not all painted over with doom and gloom. It, like, for instance, the moment in the dinner scene when, you know, we've had the whole conversation about, you know, why Gene is a vegetarian. Because animals, the flavor that you taste in animals is the fear that they felt before they died. And then, you know, we have that and then we go through several minutes of conversation before Charlie pretends to choke and he says, oh, got a big mouthful of fear. And oh, oh, oh it's this big moment. Yeah. Laughing. And it's a very, very funny moment. And it's moments like that, that there are more of, and they should have breathed, I think, they should have breathed a bit more life into because it makes it seem more like a real family when you have moments like that. And I just felt like they kind of let the darker parts of this overshadow those brighter moments. Uh, I can understand that. I can understand that. That was, for the record, I audibly laughed when that happened. And I said something to the effect of, this is why I love Chris Cooper. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. <laughs> well, we got anything else? Want to wrap it up? I don't think so. Um, I will just, you know, just a short addendum. This movie falls into the category of movies that express that show just how hot it is um, in the film for the characters, and it makes me uncomfortable because I found out that I don't like watching uh characters be really hot in a scene um napoleon dynamite does it this movie does it hell or high water does it and i'm sure there are others but it makes me uncomfy yeah i mean power of the dog does it yeah. i um i i i you you mentioned uh you compared this movie at the beginning to um knives out i don't think that's an unfair comparison i mean they're obviously different films but but their movie, their funeral movies, I suppose, about someone that died and then things happen and then the family yeah. has to deal with it, you know. And you see in both films, you see them arguing and dealing with issues that come about from problems they have with each other, you know. Yeah. Um, so, so you know, and, and that's that's uh, a lot of movies do that. Yeah. All right. Well, let's score this sucker. Um, I'll go first. I enjoyed this movie. I thought it was really good. I thought the acting was stellar. Um, I'm going to give this movie an 82. I thought it was really good. There's there's not a lot of... There's not really any negative things I have to say about this movie, other than I don't know that I will watch it again in the near future. It took me two years. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it... So, just for the record, it's number 12 on my list. Um... There's a little movie that used to be number one on my list for many years, which is now number 11. It's called There Will Be Blood. It's right before it's right before this one. Um, but August Sixteenth County is there. I'm going to give it a 90 for the same reasons you gave it an 82, Doug. <laughs> um, I am going to give this movie an 85. 
uh, I felt like it was, it's very good. Um, it stays mostly true to the source material, but I wish they had um, not added just a little bit of fluff that they added for film's sake and maybe lightened it up just a little bit in very key moments of the show. Okay. Well, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, that brings us a an average score of 85.6 repeating. So overall, yeah, this is a really good movie. Like, you should watch it. Definitely, yeah. definitely being like the headspace to watch it, but I would I would definitely advise watching it. I think it's a good movie. It's a good time. This is this is one of the few movies that it, it, honestly it's hard for me to think of a movie that I would want to show my mom and Fletcher, my stepdad. But this is a movie I could do. I could do that with. Oh, no. I could for sure show show them. They'd like it. I I could I mm, I could not show this movie to my family. For a couple of reasons. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. Um, Wade, thanks for the recommendation. You're very welcome. Thanks for the recommendation. Um, right. and, and I do hope that you one day get to direct this play. I know that you're very passionate about it. Yeah, me too. One day. One day. One day. Now all they need to do is make a film version of Polar Bears and we'll all be square. All right. um, I hope that they never make a film version of Polar Bears. That'll be awful. Um, but anyway, uh, we talked about a very serious movie this week, and next week we're going to talk about a couple serious movies. We're going to do, uh, I think, what we will call a retrospective on the Toy Story franchise. Yes, uh, so, finally. So we've, we've talked about the original Toy Story film before. Uh, now we're going to talk about the two good sequels and the one that doesn't need to exist. Um, yep, and we may even talk about all the little ones mixed in. The little specials. TV I'm, I say this with as much respect as I can possibly muster. I hope that we don't talk about the little specials because I think there's like 12 of them. Yeah, there's a lot. And they're 30 minutes a piece. Yeah, they're not really good. Yeah. Um, that's, that's all we'll say. We just yeah. said it. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's not a uh, it's not a Mater's Tall Tales where we can spend like 40 minutes and just barrel through them. Um, I don't know how we spent that long on Mater's Tall Tales. Uh, because we got Kelly's and ate Jamaican food while we did it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, be sure to check in with us next week when we, or tune in with us next week when we talk about the Toy Story franchise. Um, Ben, Ben, uh, Tristan, at the time of recording this, uh, we are one week away from our boy Ben's wedding. So next week's going to be real interesting trying to record. Um, Yep. Yep. Well, you know, yeah, if, well, if he wants to be off, that's cool. I mean, I get it. He's getting married, so. Well, yeah. My point though is, is that we're all in the wedding. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's true. Well, you know, he's he's Thursday when we record. Yeah, probably be able to do it. It's the day before Friday's the day we can't do Thursday. We could do. Okay. okay. Um. Yeah. We'll we'll talk. We'll figure Maybe it not out. Him, but we'll figure it out. But um, but yeah, until then, be sure to keep up with all that we have going on at ViterMedia.com uh, and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ViterMedia. Uh, we have new episodes of Saying the Skin coming out every single week. Um, T with Doug G is currently dying in a trash fire by the side of the road. Um, uh, Good grief, Doug. But, uh, but yeah, right, cool. Wade McGlamory, thank you so much for being on. Um, it's always a pleasure to see you, see your beautiful face. 
um, and see that beautiful beard. It's lovely. Um, yeah, be sure to tune in next week when we talk about the Toy Story franchise, uh, the three good ones and the one terrible one. And until then, for all us here at Saying the Skein, I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. And I'm Wade. And this has been Saying the Skein. Y'all have a great week.